sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, your official pregame show for the hopefully last ever Wednesday NFL game at 3.40 Eastern in the afternoon. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. It's also a very big day in Major League Baseball, which is actually more important for me than it is for, I would guess, all of you watching, and even Joe himself, because, of course, as somebody who covers Major League Baseball, tonight is the non-tender deadline in Major League Baseball. So Joe and I are going to go over that a little bit as well. So a little football and a little baseball news, and and I have a feeling that on tomorrow's show, I don't know that it's going to be the bloodbath that everybody predicts with everyone getting released, but I think that there will be a few names, Joe, that are going to be uh, let go and and changing places, and that will affect fantasy, will affect your Blackbrook preparation. I know you're two weeks Mm -hmm. away, so you may want to get that edit button ready after tonight uh preparation that's what we're doing we are in edits right now all the pages are in we are now trying to peel through everything and this is the fun part and of course the minute it goes on amazon boom some big trade will happen or some free agent signing but it's okay boys and girls because the good news is i can always update the black book which is nice so when i do the updates once it already gets uploaded to you can always make adjustments and and the funny thing is for the most part player value doesn't change all that much. If a guy gets to an extreme environment, if a guy ends up going to, say, Colorado all of a sudden, well, yeah, it's going to affect his his overall relative position value to some other people. But typically speaking, guys don't change all that much. It really is more based on what the track record of the player is and and obviously the age of the player and where he is. But I, I think also the way interleague play has taken hold in the last decade plus, you know, you don't have that nearly extreme split that you used to with some players where you really panicked about them and and the players that they see, the pitching that they see, and vice versa. So it's, it's way more interesting from the real baseball perspective when teams get players. But I think from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't change as dramatically as people might realize, except when you get that home ballpark factor changing significantly. And yeah. I think in the last few years, you know, Yankee Stadium, certainly one of them. Look at DJ LeMahieu. That's a guy that we were kind of unsure about, but you put him in another hitter-friendly environment, things went well. Uh, Colorado's one. If the Buffalo Blue Jays come back, that'll be another one. But I, I think this looming CBA here in 2021 is going to have a lot of players, I think, kind of out there that maybe you might not think. I think it's going to be more interesting uh, than most people realize tonight, and I'm sure tomorrow we'll have a full recap of all of it. Yep, we will. We'll have a preview coming up in just a little bit. Also, Dr. David Chow is coming up very soon with the latest in injury, so stay tuned to that. Okay, so here we go. Here are the headlines for Fantasy Sports Today. Steelers-Ravens kick off in just under three hours. I think most uh, sports books right now have 10.5. FanDuel is is inching toward that. I'm going to guess at kickoff, that's what's going to be, 10.5 Steelers over the Ravens. MLB non-trade, uh, non-tender trade uh, deadline, not trade deadline. Let me get this straight. Start over. Redo, live on the show. Can't do that. Okay, baseball's <laughs> non-tender deadline, I almost said trade a third time, is tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. So... I would probably expect several players that everybody knows to be out there. We'll talk about Eddie Rosario, who The Athletic reported is on waivers coming up in just a little bit. Joakim Noah retires after a 13-year NBA career. Of course, what do I know Noah for? It is back-to-back championships, as Brett Levy knows, with my Florida Gators. So congratulations on a great NBA career for Noah. Number one, Gonzaga takes on West Virginia tonight in Indianapolis. Some great basketball we saw last night. 
again tonight. Number two, Baylor faces off with Illinois in the nightcap from Indianapolis as well. This is really a cool time for college basketball, and to see these games actually being played is good as well. Again, not a lot of home court advantage in college basketball with a lot of these tournaments being played. We'll see what happens in a week or two from now. But thus far, so far, so good, especially with college basketball. But, of course, as we talked about, we have the the NFL game coming up in just a little bit, Joe. And with the Steelers being 10-point favorites, 10.5 in some places, and the total being very low, uh, it it kind of smells very similarly to that Saints-Broncos game. And I think Mm -hmm. that the only way the Ravens win this game tonight or even cover this game tonight, today, whatever, is by winning – 13 10 or or you know the Steelers offense would just have to be in a complete funk because it does feel like at least 75 percent of the Ravens defense is there I know the offense is going to be a wreck but it does feel like most of the defensive players are going to be playing for Baltimore but how many times are they going to have to face the offense over and over and stop them because there's going to be a lot of punting I think from the Ravens today yeah, there probably will be a lot of punting. But the other thing that really concerns me is uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense and them scoring, which I think is a very high probability today. I mean, you could certainly see, you know, a fumble recovery, interception. You could see yeah. something like that. You know, the amount of pressure that Watt has been able to put on opposing quarterbacks and offensive lines uh, has been tremendous. There, The guy's had a phenomenal season. Dupree's been great. Um, this whole front has been just outstanding there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're going to put some pressure on RG3 and there's going to be mistakes made. There's going to be errors. And whether those errors turn out to be great field position or scores, I think there's a really good chance of that. And that's why, like, I just look at that 10 or even 10 and a half. And I still feel pretty oddly comfortable with it. And I'm with you. I don't like the double digit lines. I know tomorrow we'll talk about one double digit it. line that I'm not super comfortable with. And we'll see if we get your feedback on it. But I'm typically somebody like you. I see that and I go, oh, this is the NFL. People have respect for themselves. Plus, there's garbage time. There's so many variables here. But it just feels like Pittsburgh, when they put up that defensive score or that defensive turnover that's going to create an easy score, it's hard not to think that. And honestly, the under seems kind of reasonable, too, because I just don't know how much offense Baltimore can put together anyway. They weren't putting together great offense anyway. Two centers down. Your best tight end, your best weapon down. Your one running back standing. Backup quarterback, a lot of negatives here for Baltimore. Yeah, I, I think the only worry for me on the under would be the Latavius Murray factor, which we saw last right. week. Yeah. Where basically, Denver gave up, and he was just running wild. So we'll see what happens. Dr. David Chow will talk Julio Jones and Daniel Jones next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The SportsGrid Network. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It's the final week of the fantasy regular season. Some people will be in, some people will be out. You know who's always in? It is Dr. David Chow at ProFootball. each and every Sunday from start to finish, watching all of the injuries and then delivering that information, of course, not only to us, but also his podcast and all of the columns that he does on OutKick. He joins us once again. Dr. David Chow, great to see you again. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Hope you had a good week. Uh, great week. How about you? Oh, I did just fine. Ate a lot of turkey. You know how that goes. All right. So, uh, Dr. Chow, I think that 
let's start off with just before we go forward, let's go back here a little bit, because in my history of watching football, I had never seen anything like I saw what the Denver Broncos uh, had to go through last week. I- I'm sure that you've talked about this on your podcast or with just with people in general. Uh, I-, I have a hard time parsing through this one, believing that the Broncos should have had to play when it seems like a lot of other teams are, are getting mulligans able to play the next week or the week after that. I'm just wondering what your thoughts on are that situation, if you don't mind. Well, my thoughts were, and I wrote in an article for OutKick, I started with saying that in the eighth grade in middle school, my English teacher said to me when I complained about something not being fair, she said, and she said it many times, if all you learn in life in the eighth grade is that life is unfair, you, you learned a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, that there is some of that. I understand that. But there is logic to the unfairness. The logic is this. The NFL internally, in memos and everything else, has said, look, competitive disadvantages or advantages, we're not going to worry about. Remember, it was a year ago, two years ago, before I think a Texans game, if I remember correctly, there were eight or ten Patriots players that were sick with the regular flu. They flew down on a different plane. They didn't practice all week, and the game went on. It is what it is in a competitive standpoint. Teams were warned, wear a mask in all caps, or you will be considered high risk in several memos. I'm not saying that it's completely fair. I'm saying it's buyer beware and the Broncos and all the teams were told. Now, why are the Ravens getting a pass where now their two running backs can come back and play? And Lamar Jackson's going to be able to play now when he wouldn't have for the, the week 13 game. It's the luck of the draw, but it's based on safety decisions. There's an outbreak, and they can't risk there being further outbreaks. And so, yes, the Ravens get lucky. For the Broncos, it wasn't an outbreak. It wasn't about safety. It was about compliance. So the NFL said it is what it is. Now, I get it. It was a bad non-competitive game, a super unusual circumstance. And so I get how everyone feels that way. But there is logic to how it fell out. But I get how unfair it looks. But life is unfair, as I learned in the eighth grade. (laughs) And I've learned it all my life, too. But here's what else I learned. Anything better is is than watching that football game that I saw last week between the Saints (laughs) and Broncos. And And the NFL... Uh, who, you know, can do whatever they want, as we've learned in this world. I hope Dr. Chow learned a lesson from that, which is basically good football in week 18 is better than bad football in week 12. I don't want to see that happen again. I, I, I get that. But the problem with week 18 is if you kick a game to week 18, let's say you kick the Broncos game to week 18 sure. game, or the or the Ravens Steelers game. What happens if the Steelers' next opponent or the Broncos' next opponent has an issue. Now you need a week 19? Then do you have playoff teams on a three-week bye? I mean, it, it it's very difficult to manage, and there's no simple solution. Now, I have to applaud, and I talked about this in my podcast, that the honesty of Coach Fangio, he came out and said, look, I expect my, my quarterbacks to be leaders, and they weren't good leaders. They didn't wear their masks when they were supposed to. And they're the ones that cost us that situation, not the league. And so he's speaking, preaching accountability. 
And I have to respect that. And he's an old school guy, and I, and I respect that. And I'm not trying to get Andrew Locke. I'm sure it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, on purpose. And look, I have my mask on, and I try and wear it, but I'm not 100% all the time in sure. kind of situation. And so I understand where people are coming from, and I'm not pointing fingers, but there is some logic to what the NFL did, even if from the outside it looks very, very unfair. Yeah, I understand. Sometimes an example needs to be met, and and I think that maybe the Broncos end up being that. Hopefully for the rest of the NFL, they keep the protocols because we do want to see good football. In the end, we want to do conversations like this. It's 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 what we do. It's part of our livelihood. Part of my very important part of my livelihood for sure. Okay, well the New York Giants part of their livelihood is now getting to the playoffs. They're going to fight this thing out. It looks like with the Washington football team from here to the end, Doctor Chow. I don't know if they can make it without Daniel Jones, and it doesn't look like Daniel Jones is going to play this week. So I'm curious about his injury and what you think it means moving forward. Well, that's been interesting. You know, everyone said, oh, he's going to play. And then on Sunday, I said, look, it's it's obvious that Daniel Jones wasn't going to be able to run like a giraffe down the field with his hamstring, right? I mean, and have those big runs. But the fact that he could not throw from the pocket made me believe it was more than a mild hamstring strain. So this is why on on Sunday I said he's going to miss week 13 at least. Now what you're asking me is how much beyond. That's hard to say. Like I think it's possible he plays week 14 from the pocket. But for him to become the dual threat Daniel Jones, that might be week 16. Mm. Wow. All right. Uh, let's move over to a player that did not play last week. We could actually do two, you know, honestly, two wide receivers, uh, Julio Jones. And I feel like our entire season has been talking about Kenny Galladay week after week. But let, let's start with with Julio Jones, because this is the final week for some people to get in or out. And no doubt Julio Jones was either a first or second round pick for a lot of folks. Dr. Chow, do you think he plays this week? Uh Still early, but I lean towards no, uh, just because of the pattern. And, you know, it's just been again and again and again for him. And I think he's finally reached his limit there. So I lean towards no for for Julio. I lean towards yes for Kenny Galladay. Heck, for me, I think uh, the number one question I've been asked all year has been Christian McCaffrey. But at least he's he's on a bye bye this week. But, Craig, you and I talked a couple weeks ago. Don't be surprised if he's not back yeah. until week 14 after the week 13 bye, and that's a, indeed what's been going to be the case. And, yes, he will be 100% for week 14 for those of you in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and I think that you know that's important for, for a lot of people. Dr. Chow, i got to tell you, a lot of people that drafted McCaffrey are probably not going to make the playoffs <laughs> unless they had a miraculous <laughs> – uh, draft well, after well, that point. Well, Craig, um, I, I think you know I was. A, this is my first real fantasy league. Right, you mentioned I feel like in the Super Bowl with Scott Fishbowl, and boy, at one point, this is eight of my eleven top picks were injured. So so much, but you know they didn't come in injured. They all just got injured. But uh, you know, as long as I have Tyree Kill and uh, and uh, and Patrick Mahomes, oh, they've boy, been yeah. carrying me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I always like to end with just like what did I miss essentially? Like which injury did I not ask you about that you think could be critical for for this upcoming week? Maybe something you mentioned on Outkick or a podcast. Well, I think there's been a lot of concern about Josh Allen and his ankle, and I think he's going to be fine. And the two running backs, the key ones, Josh Jacobs, I think will be okay, and not so bad for Dalvin Cook either. So we end on a couple of uh, good notes there on on some players, which is always good for me to deliver. 
Yeah, no, always happy to uh, see that and hear that for sure. sure. All right, well, Dr. Chow, it's always great uh, catching up with you, as we always do. I know that later today we have a, a game going on between the Ravens and, and Pittsburgh Steelers. A, we sort hope. Of like, this is sort of like our pregame show here being we on hope. the afternoon. We hope there's the game still, right? It looks like. <laughs> we hope by the time that you are watching this right now that there is still a game indeed for sure. Uh, Dr. Chow, thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, next week we'll be talking about – not the NFL playoffs, but we'll be talking about the fantasy football playoffs for a lot of teams. So I look forward to catching up with you then. Thank you. All right, that's Dr. David Chow. Follow him on Twitter, at ProFootballDoc. Very important. Also, his podcast over on OutKick, his columns on OutKick as well. And the most important thing that I can tell you with Dr. Chow is we talk a lot about these skill positions. But what he does is he also breaks down which player that you should play up against potentially another that is injured. And finally... We only have 10 minutes on this segment. Dr. Chow breaks down all of the offensive and defensive players on the field. So not just the skill position players, but how some of those position other players can affect the position players. Check them out at ProFootballDoc, ProFootballDoc.com. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. LeBron James signs a two-year contract extension. He'll be with the Los Angeles Lakers through 2023 and so joe before we dive back into baseball i'm still waiting to see if the possibility exists that he's going to be the first nba player to play with his son in the nba and that won't happen for another four years he'd have to play three more years of high school and then one more year of college and so lebron james would basically have to play two more years in the nba after his contract extension is up and so I would ask you, do you think that that ends up happening? I feel like we're headed toward there. I feel like LeBron is going to try and make this happen. What do you think? Oh, look, if anybody could pull it off, it's LeBron, right? Uh, you, know, all, you know, we saw Jordan at the end there with the Wizards not be nearly the same player he was. And I don't want to see that either. But if LeBron can keep playing at the level he's playing for another couple of years, I think it's certainly possible. I would not put it in the impossible category. That's for sure. But, you know, the difference between the two is Jordan played in an era in the NBA that was just brutal physically. I mean, not, not that it's not tough still, you know, playing the schedule that they play and the travel and everything else that they've done. But also when you think about, you know, where Jordan was and playing against those Piston teams and those, those Knicks teams. And I think the physically taking its toll on him, I think it's very different in terms of the wear and tear that LeBron has had physically. And I, I'm just going to put that out there. And there's really no other comp for LeBron except Kobe and, and Michael and those guys. And, you know, I, I think that if LeBron wants to do this, he's going to find a way to do it. And I think right now, if you look at the player he is, you think, okay, it's possible. But we all know that when you get towards the end, he's not going to be the same player, and it's whether or not he can play on that same team with his son and make that all work. And maybe it's just a one-year gimmick where he just kind of hangs on with a team and he's a bench player. And if that's the case, and if that's 
a role that LeBron is willing to take at that point in his career with his ego and, and his resume. I, I don't know if he's willing to do that just to play with his son, but I wouldn't put it in the impossible category, no. Yeah, no, anything is possible for sure, and, and hopefully that ends up happening. It'd be a really cool story for us in the NBA as well. All right, let's move on to Major League Baseball tonight. Non-tender deadline, which means that if players are not issued contracts and they are arbitration eligible, essentially they can sign with anyone, and that sort of ends the tenure there. Even if players are tendered a contract for 2021 today, it does not mean that their contract is guaranteed for 2021. It does guarantee the majority of their salary, so teams can still get out of it. Essentially, 30-40% of their salary, I believe, is paid the rest would not, and they would be released before opening day. But this does sort of guarantee some money to players, and one player that the Minnesota Twins essentially have said is not worth the arbitration money, which is about $10 million, which is Eddie Rosario of the Minnesota Twins. The Athletic reported yesterday that he was placed on waivers, which means that if he, if he clears, the Twins are essentially saying to Eddie Rosario, Joe, that nobody wants to pay you $10 million for next year. So maybe come back to us for lesser money. If you look at Rosario's numbers last season, he had another really good year. 13 home runs, 42 runs driven in. Remember, it was only a 60-game season, so extrapolating this basically gives him another 25 home run season with the Minnesota Twins. Now, he's never going to be an on-base guy, but he is going to be a home run guy. And there have been players, Joe, in the past, like Adam Jones in particular of the Baltimore Orioles, who, simply put, never was an on-base guy, well, was always a home run and RBI guy, was pretty decent on the base paths. Seems like, to me, that's a pretty similar comp to who Eddie Rosario is. But eventually it does come to an end, and Rosario's young enough, I think, to lash on at least somewhere else. I wonder what he feels about this, not being tendered a contract, essentially, or being asked to renegotiate his contract if he just decides, hey, if I'm more wanted elsewhere, maybe I'll take that opportunity. But he's been good with Minnesota, no doubt. He has. He's been outstanding with Minnesota. He's been he's been integral to Minnesota's too and success. And I'll, I'll tell you this: when he went out of that lineup, not this past season, but the season before, they really missed him <laughs> in the middle of that order. The Twins' offense really took a dip, very similar to how they took a dip this year when all of a sudden Josh Donaldson was not in that lineup. So certain guys at certain times when they're out of that lineup, all of a sudden it does take its toll. And Rosario was that guy back in. 2019 that really his absence in that lineup took a great toll on the Minnesota Twins and you could see it happen there it took its toll on the numbers of guys like Kepler and guys like Cruz now I think this is just not a knock on Eddie Rosario really the guy's gonna be 29 years old he's in his prime right now there's certainly a good three or four years left of this player no doubt about that and I like Rosario as a player but I think from the Minnesota side this is just a matter of supply and demand how can we better use our money. You see Trevor May leave for the New York Mets. You see uh, this outfield prospects that they've got here. They got guys like Trevor Larnick. They got guys like Alex Kirilov. They got players that they feel very good about and they want to open up some spots. And the way you open up some spots is to let some money go with Eddie Rosario. And I think from an organizational standpoint, it just makes sense for the Twins to kind of start to get a little younger here. They've got some age there with guys like Cruz, guys like Donaldson. There's no doubt about that. So the future is now here a little bit. They are a playoff contender, no doubt about that, in 2021. But at the same time, you want to start to get these young guys some play. And I think that's important. And you want to open up some opportunities for these guys in spring training to kind of win a job. And we've been here about Kirillov for a long time. Larnick's been another good prospect, too. So they got more than one guy for a spot. So I think it makes sense for the Twins situation to do that. Now, for Rosario, in terms of landing spots, if he does not come back with the Twins, which is still possible that he could, 
I would say that the Cleveland Indians is a really good landing spot for him because this is a team that's probably going to be making some uh, changes here, probably jettisoning some players potentially like Lindor this offseason, and they need some more thump in that lineup. They could also really need a guy to play in right field. I mean, Tyler Naquin, you know, God bless him. He's been a, a really spunky player that I know, you know, real baseball fans always like. But he's not offensively what Eddie Rosario is. If you also want to stay in that same division, Detroit, if they want to start paying some other guys. Look, last year they knew they weren't going to compete, but they've got some young talent coming through here. And you need to throw some more major league talent into that lineup to support that youth. If indeed you are going to see those guys uh, start to make some debuts this season. So I think staying in that division for him, there's actually two teams that make a lot of sense. If he wants to go to the National League, if they get a DH too, you could maybe put him out there too. But to me, I think the Indians make the most amount of sense. And if you're Rosario, you kind of like to stick around, not only the comfort of that division, but also kind of stick it to your old team. Yeah, I think those are two really good spots. Any team that would take him on, especially in a one-year scenario, could obviously trade him in July if he has a really good start and and get a player back too. So we'll see if he ends up back with the Twins. Certainly they made their statement to him, essentially saying that we don't think that you're worth that uh, one-year $10 million, and maybe Rosario on the open market can get more. I would tell you that uh, the last chance for him to get close to that with the Twins is going to be right now before he hits the open market uh, coming up tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern. All right, well, I can tell you that one player that is going to be tendered a contract or at least traded and uh, or at least traded tonight or tendered a contract is Jesus Aguilar of the Miami Marlins. And, and the Marlins, Joe, are in one of the more difficult spots in the National League. I know that every team in the NL is looking to figure out if they have the DH or not, but Miami's in a spot tonight where having to tender a player without knowing if the DH mm-hmm. is going to be in the National League. I think most people feel like there's a better shot of it coming than not. But if you look at Aguilar's numbers from last year, they were pretty solid. He had a nice bounce-back season. Hit home runs, 35% on base. 34 RBIs the year before for him was just not good with both Milwaukee and Tampa Bay. Most felt like he was not in great shape. But the interesting part of the end of his season, Joe, was that he was not used at first base at all. They used uh, Aguilar got banged up a little bit at the end of the year. They used Garrett Cooper predominantly, the Marlins did, at first base. I would expect that to continue in 2021. And they also have a young kid named Lewin Diaz, I know, who's on the rise, too. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually he could play first base. So it's a tough spot for Miami to be in. My understanding is they're going to keep him, at least for the time being, and then maybe move him if there is no DH in the NL. Or maybe they even bring him back to get limited at-bats. From a fantasy standpoint, of course, the DH is going to make or break this player <laughs> in 2021 mm-hmm. if he's Absolutely. with Miami. If he's not, it's a different story. But I think that his value even though he can play first base, is tied more to the DH. And it makes sense at this stage of his career. No, it absolutely does. And I'm kind of with you. I think everyone's leading to the idea that the DH and the NL is probably a foregone conclusion. I look, I've been a baseball purist my entire life up until the last three or four years. And watching pitchers hit and then realizing that pitchers do not hit in high school now. They do not hit in college. They do not hit in the minor leagues. They only hit when you get to the big leagues, and then they expect these pitchers to make contact with, with big league pitching. It's a farce. It's just crazy. There's there's no reason for it at this point. If you don't hit in the minor leagues, in college baseball, and high school baseball, if you're an elite pitcher, then my goodness, what are we doing here? Let's let's get the DH and let's just do this and move on from it and just understand this is the evolution of the game. And, and this guy right here is a perfect example of if there's not a DH spot, I find it hard to – 
find a spot for him in the National League. And uh, I would say maybe a team like the Pirates could use a DH, a little bit more lineup protection, a cheaper option too. I don't think Jesus Aguilar is a really good investment from a physical age standpoint. That ratio right now, I know he was in better shape this past year. He certainly played better, certainly did bounce back. But if you go back and look at the track record and the history of this player in the minor leagues, he's never been a prolific home run hitter. He's been a very good RBI guy. And I think that's a dude that you could drop into a six spot in the batting order as a DH. And you could say, okay, he's not going to hurt us defensively. He's going to help us. He's going to drive in some runs. And that's what you want out of Jesus Aguilar. And I think that's a, probably a smart investment. But for a team like the Marlins that's really kind of rebuilding, really sort of retooling and continuing that youth movement, it doesn't make sense to invest any long-term money or even short-term money in a player like this because you want to open up spots for those younger guys to play. And you want to also up you know, free up salary that if you do want to make a move for a more significant player that you can, and you don't want to tie up money in a guy like Aguilar, despite the fact that he had a nice 60 game season for them and was quite helpful. Now, look, if he comes back at the right price, that's one thing. But I think looking at Aguilar's track record, looking at the body type, looking at the age is already over 30. I think all of those factors kind of make him a tough sell for me for a team like the Marlins, unless of course they get him exactly how they want him on their terms. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, he'd he'd make three or four million this year, which is economical. The Marlins have money to spend. They just got Chen off the books. And the truth is, Joe, even if there's no DH in the NL, uh, some AL team would take him on for three or four million to make him their DH. And so it's it's sort of just not giving the player away. I think is is more of the issue here with Miami because he's a viable hitter in the big league. But you're right, he's not a star of any fantasy or reality. Coming up next, stay tuned. We'll be back to the grid right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. At the running back position in fantasy football this week, looks like both Todd Gurley and DeAndre Swift will be returning both back at practice today for their respective teams. Remember the last couple of days, Teams were not allowed at their facility, of course, just kind of trying to keep the COVID spread low. We'll see if that works this week in the NFL as we have a game coming up in a couple of hours from now. We're right around the bend here from uh, kickoff. So a little bit of a preview of that coming up here in this edition of Fantasy or Reality. So, Joe, let's kick off our conversation today and let's start with uh, some Major League Baseball and start off with the Texas Rangers. They report yesterday that... Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is going to be moved to the shortstop position, a player that basically can play all over the field, including we've seen him play catcher before. Mm -hmm. Elvis Andrews, of course, was a fantastic shortstop for many, many years and getting up there in age, but still owed quite a bit of money. So he's going to be a backup either for the Rangers or someone else over the next couple of years. But Kiner-Falefa won the gold glove at third. They're moving him to short. Moving him to short is a smart move. Fantasy reality. You know, I'm going to say reality. You know, players like Elvis Andrews typically who are, you know, legs first kind of players, uh, you know, don't, typically don't age very well. Now, we also don't expect a drop off when a guy is only, 
well, he's 32 years old now, I think, Elvis Andrews, that a guy's going right. to hit a buck 94 like he did last year. You know, you, you're in a buck 94, you're going to lose your job. I don't care if it's over 20 games or if it's over, you know, 60 games. It's going to happen. His OPS last year was 582, Craig. That is just not going to get it done. It's just simply not going to be the case for anybody. So, um, look, he probably doesn't have the range maybe that he used to have once upon a time too. So if you're losing a player's range, and all of a sudden he's hitting under the Mendoza line and his OPS looks more like someone's slugging percentage. That's not a good combination of things. Now, the problem is the combination of Elvis Andrews and the contract that you mentioned. So what are you going to do with him? He becomes an immovable object, basically, and that is really frustrating. Now, sure, you can make an argument that a guy gets in really good shape after a down year, or maybe it's too small of a sample size to really judge, and you can make a lot of excuses for a lot of things. But I think the downward trajectory of a player in at least the ilk of a player in the type of player that Elvis Andrews is from a physical tool standpoint, you think that this is the kind of point in time where you get into your mid thirties or early thirties, at least that you see decline. Now this was a rapid descent last year for Elvis Andrews, a guy that I took in some leagues going into the year thinking, hell, I'll take him over a guy like, uh, you know, maybe the Mets shortstop Ahmed Rosario for some cheap steals later. I feel really much better about the veteran guy. But sometimes you lose on the veteran. And I think the Texas Rangers are recognizing that. And I actually give them credit and saying, hey, you know what? We're not going to go into the season with the same kind of uh, situation. You are having the reboot, reopening of the ballpark 2.0 because you really didn't have that proper opening. And I think Texas kind of looks at it and say, okay, we didn't get Donaldson last year. We didn't get some of the guys that we tried to get free agency-wise. Let's sure up the defense. Let's see if we can make a play for some more players. The Cooper move did not work out. Texas had a lot of things not work out last year for them. Lance Lynn's one of those few moves that has. Joey Gallo hasn't been nearly the player I think that they expected him to be at this point in his career. Uh, obviously, some disappointment, too, from Willie Calhoun with the injury to start the season there, getting hit in the head. So everything that could go wrong for Texas did. And I'm hoping that in 2021, things go better for them. But they've got some deep pockets, so they're going to absorb this contract. But, Greg, I actually think this is a reality. I think it is the right move. What do you think about just at least solidifying the defense? And, look, Kiner Falefa at least can be a, a, an okay offensive player. But, look, anything's better than a buck 92. Yeah. No, that's true. I, I just – I mean, I, I suppose if I knew what their plan at third was, then I, I'd feel more confident of that. Is it Solak? I don't know. <laughs> Unless you're trading for Nolan Arenado. Look, I keep telling you, Nolan Arenado to me in that community in Texas would be a huge star. I mean, no, I mean, I, I you know, I, let's not forget it's it's a big Latin community there too. I think this would be a huge get for them if they could somehow find Maybe a way to get into that group. Maybe. Maybe this is the beginning yeah. of that plan. Well, well, look. I'm going to say fantasy. I think it's a it's a smart move, but I don't want to take away a position of strength and maybe make shortstop weaker. I don't know if he can play shortstop full-time. You would assume so. He's a big league player. But without knowing what they're going to do with third is a little bit dicey to me. I know they tinkered with Todd Frazier last year, and you know clearly that's, that's not something that's going to happen again. You are right. They should be able to spend some money. They do have a new ballpark. 